totally free. This isn't even the sermon or nothing, but this is totally free. When God gives us something and we take care of it well, it prepares us to receive more. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that way with your kids, isn't it? Like you don't, like, <laughs> like as an example, you, don't, you give your kid uh, a bike, right? And then after that, maybe a skateboard. And then after that, maybe, you know, a, a motorbike or something or a little, you know, maybe a moped or something like that. And then a car, right? You don't give an eight-year-old a car, right? <laughs> you kind of work them up to it. And I think sometimes with God it's that way. And so when we take care of the revelation he gives us and we own it and we take it out of these doors, then we prepare ourselves and we get ready for the next thing he wants to give us. And more often than not, it's an increase over where we were. Anybody want increase? Hallelujah. So this morning, God, we're just going to take care of what you give us, and we're going to move in the ways that you're moving today. All right, so take your Bibles. If you would, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Um, we have a, a Bible app that we use with our, our presentation software, but we also use it during our, our, our time in the, in the Word. It's, it's the Faith Life Study Bible app. You can find it at the App Store, and you can also find it at the... Uh, what's that other one? Android. Uh, <laughs> you know, because there's iPhones, and then there's all the mother phones. <laughs> the Lord just told me to say that. <laughs> i just kidding. But you can find it at both those, any app stores, and it's great. And it helps you follow along, because any scripture we do on Sunday here, it actually goes right into your phone when you have the app open, and then you can go back and, and chew on the stuff later and really let it sink in. Amen? So... We've been in, we're starting a little series about the children and the people of promise. Moses and the people of promise, sometimes referred to as the children of Israel. And as we began last week, we began to talk a little bit about how they had come to be in Egypt. God's chosen people through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then now Joseph. And they had ended up in Egypt, and it started out as a great thing. And it started out as deliverance from, from a time of famine, and they were saved and all of that. And so they all came to, to Egypt under Joseph. And they were there a couple hundred years. It wasn't too bad. But as they began to grow in Egypt, the, the, the Jewish people, the, the Hebrews, they began to grow and multiply. And the Egyptians started getting nervous. And they had a new pharaoh that came in that didn't know and, or didn't remember why the Hebrews were there in the first place. And so he went from, they went from being a people that were blessed to a people that were in bondage. From blessing to bondage. And they went into a time of slavery that lasted about 230 years. And so several generations were going by, and it got worse and worse, and they were in complete slavery to the Egyptians. They were in complete bondage to people that shouldn't have been in bondage over them. And we talked a little bit last week about sometimes when God, a lot, there's things that happen in our lives, and we begin to question God and say, God, why am I in bondage when I should be in blessing? <laughs> Right? Or why is this bad thing happening to me when good things are supposed to be happening to me? And so there are times of, of I would say, confusion on our parts and times of questioning. So I want to encourage you, if you want to go back and listen to the podcast from last Sunday, I want to encourage you to do that. But God is good, and the Bible says that God heard the cries of his people. In fact, let's read it here in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It talks about Moses. Now, Let's set the story up a little bit. Moses, if you read in the first couple chapters of Exodus, you'll find that Moses uh, should have been killed as an infant, along with all the other Hebrew babies. But somehow God saved him, 
and pulled him out of, of death and being murdered to actually being found by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt's daughter. And she pulled Moses out and raised him as her own son. So Moses went from, a, from the worst of the worst to the best of the best. He went from, from poverty and slavery to the palace. How many think that's a pretty good jump? From poverty to the palace, right? And he, raised, and he lived his whole life with, uh, if you will, the, the silver spoon in his mouth. With all of the good things. And he had the best of the best. And he was raised as a son, if you will, of the king. But at one point in his young adult life, he understands that he's a Hebrew. And the Bible says that he was out one day and he saw the Egyptian taskmasters whipping and beating some of his people, some of the Hebrew people. And he steps in and he stops the Egyptian and actually murders them, kills the Egyptian taskmaster. Now, <laughs> we're going to look at today this idea that sometimes the enemy will come in and say, you're not good enough. You've done this. You have this in your past. And I would say most of us here have not murdered anybody. Right? Maybe if you're listening on Facebook, maybe you have murdered somebody. Maybe there's something like that in your past. I love the story of Moses because Moses shows us that no matter the horrible, awful thing that we may have done or what, what our past holds, all the things that we think are holding us back in our past, actually God still chooses you. Last week we talked about the chosen people, those that are chosen. This week we're going to talk about the call. Because God calls Moses. How many of you think God knew Moses' past? <laughs> I, I, if you're questioning that, I just want to encourage you to look up at the stars at nighttime, okay? Like God has created everything. He's the master of the universe. He's the creator of every single thing. I'm pretty sure he knows the mistakes we've made. And I'm pretty sure he knows that Moses had messed up pretty big time. So we find Moses, after he murders this Egyptian, he actually takes off for the next 40 years. He runs to the wilderness, and he gets a family, and he gets under um, an, a, another individual that kind of fathers him. And for 40 years, he's a shepherd in the wilderness. Hmm. I was studying this week about Moses, and it's interesting that some, some scholars believe that Moses' life is actually divided into three 40-year periods. The first 40 years he was in Egypt with a silver spoon in his mouth. The next 40 years he's in the wilderness. And his last 40 years, God actually uses him to do some of the most amazing things in the history of mankind. Bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? And you know what my first thought was? <laughs> I'm not too old. God can still use me. I got 40 good years left or something, you know what I mean? And I thought of some of you that maybe have a couple of years, you know, on you. I want to just encourage you, you're not too old for God to use you. That means that Moses was 80 when God called him to the ministry. I went to Bible college. I didn't see very many 80-year-old Bible people in there. You know what I'm saying? The Bethel, Bethel, uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I'm sure there's not too many 80-year-olds in there. But God loves to break up our stuff, doesn't he? He loves to use people that nobody thinks we should be used, murderers and adulterers and liars and cheats, Right? He loves to use those, and he also loves to bust up our paradigm of what we think we're too young or too old or what God wants to accomplish. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I'm just the right age for God to use me. 
Amen. And that means you're not too young. And that means I'm not going to point my finger at anybody. That means you're not too old. <laughs> I can point at these guys because, you know, you're not too young. You're not too young. Amen. <laughs> so Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Let's go there. It says this. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now let me just stop there for a second. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. God had laid it on my heart. This idea that, that Moses, <laughs> I, I will just say this. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. So I imagine he's seen different brush fires and different things, you know, like, you know, it, it's really dry and hot and lightning hits or something and the fire starts. Okay, there's probably, he's probably seen fire. But what he's never seen is a fire out of a bush that doesn't consume the bush. Right? Can you imagine a dry bush in the middle of the wilderness? That baby probably went up fast and would be done fast too, right? But he looks. And it says this, that in, in, the, in the amplified version, he says he looked, he he looked away from the flock and towards the bush. And I really believe strongly, and I feel this really in my heart, that there are many times in our lives where God wants to speak to us, but he needs us to look away from our normal stuff and towards him. And it's interesting that God waited to talk to Moses. You read it right there. He waited until Moses had turned away from the flock and towards the burning bush before he spoke his name. So sometimes we say, God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you moving in this way I think you should be moving? And I think sometimes God looks at us and says, you know, instead of why, God, aren't you doing this, God looks at us and says, why aren't you doing this? Because the Bible strictly says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that Bible is very clear on that. The onus is not on him. He's willing to speak, but he's waiting for us to turn to him. He's waiting for us to seek him. Right? He says, in Hebrews, it says this. He says, draw near to me. Then what? Anybody? And I will draw near to you. You get the, the order of this thing? It's not, I will draw near to you, and then you will draw near to me. <laughs> no, he says, listen, you draw near to me, and then I will draw near to you. I think sometimes as Christians, we get a little lazy, and we expect God to do all the work. He's done the heavy lifting. He just wants to, us to turn his direction. He wants us, if you will, to turn off the TV and turn on to him, <laughs> right? He wants us to put down our phones and actually listen in to him, right? And uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not against Facebook and I'm not against all these things. I'm not against anything. But I'll tell you what I am. I am for turning into God, turning towards God. And, and it's so interesting here because Moses, God says, Moses, Moses, only after he turns away from the flock and to God. So I believe God is really waiting for us in many cases, opportunities for us to, to turn to him and then he will speak. And it's interesting because <laughs> as we're going to read here the next chapter and a half, 
when you turn to God and he starts speaking, he really starts speaking. Like, like it's not just a little voice or a little couple of words. God just has this huge conversation with Moses that we're going to look at here in the next few minutes. When we give God a chance, he really comes in. Amen? How many of you have ever had the opportunity to turn towards God and he just begins to download on you? You have this experience? Oh, my word. There are times when I'm journaling that my hand cramps up because I'm writing so fast and I can't keep up. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, slow down. <laughs> you know, like, like I'm writing all these things out. I'm trying to, I'm hearing from him. I'm engaging with him. And I'm, I'm getting a sense of who he is and what he has for me. And I will tell you this. If you will give God a chance, he's not a silent partner in your relationship. He's very type A personality. Like he really does like to talk to his people. We joke in my Abbott family that, uh, I don't have a shy kid in the bunch. I got four kids, and they all think they have the most important thing to say, and they all think they have the funniest joke. And, of course, Mom and I are the funniest, so let's not even t- debate that, of course. But, but Mom and I are outgoing. The kids are all outgoing, and it's just like, hey, don't roll your head. <laughs> the, uh, the, the relationship is very God. Uh, he's active. He really wants to talk. And uh, I just think, in so many ways. Let's give God a chance. Amen? And so Moses turns to the bush. God begins to speak to him. And it's, it's not a trifling thing. One of the things we're going to notice today, let's pick up the story in verse 5. After God calls Moses, Moses says, here I am. Verse 5, he says this. Then he said, then he said, do not come near here. This is God speaking. Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I know we're in the new covenant, and I know there's a different relationship that we have and opportunity and access to God like we've never had in the past. And even characters in the Old Testament in some ways, didn't have. But can I tell you a little bit about Moses? If you jump ahead about 30 chapters into this book of Exodus, you will find God and Moses have the most intimate, personal friendship of just about anybody in the Bible. You see, Moses was such that the Bible actually says that God talked to Moses like men talk to each other. Anybody here want a relationship with God like that? Like just talking to God, and it's like you're talking to somebody, but obviously we can't really see him. Moses was twice on these huge 40-day fasts up on the mountain, and God's given him the Ten Commandments, and, and he literally comes off the mountain glowing with the presence of God. It says that Moses would go into a tent and have a tent of meeting outside the, the normal camp, and that Moses would just be in there talking with God and God with Moses, and they had this totally intimate, personal, one-on-one relationship. So I want to tell you, I believe that that is the destiny for all of us. But I also want you to see this. When Moses first encounters God, he sees his holiness. You see, God is both our friend and our our creator. He's both intimate and personal with us, but he's also holy and powerful and amazing. And I think it's it's high time that in the church we understand that God's not one-dimensional. Like, he's my friend, but I also have to have a reverent holiness for him. He's not petty, and he's not, not, uh, you know, 
flighty and these kind of things. He's holy. He's a, he's a mighty, powerful God. And I think it would behoove us to, to make sure that we understand that, that God is both holy and he's my friend, right? Because he is just, and he's going to be a judge someday. And there's all these things. Not, he's not a judge someday. He's actually the judge, right? And I just, I, I love the fact that Moses ends up with this totally personal thing, but he also understands the holiness, and God wants him to know that. So then on to verse 7, he says this. He says, the Lord said, it says, the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. That's pretty good, right? I think I nailed it, all those names. Verse 9, now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Oh, man. There's so much in these three verses. There's so much that, I, that it's, almost, it's almost too much for us to, to grasp in one Sunday. But let me just walk you through a couple of things. Number one, God says this, I have seen the affliction. It's important for us to understand and to keep at the forefront of our mind that God is not blind to our situations. Like whatever difficulty you're going through, God sees it. And I love the fact that he says, listen, I have seen the affliction of my people. I see what's going on. I'm not unaware. I'm fully cognizant of the difficulty that you're going through. And last week we looked a little bit at this idea that God had actually prophesied that this was going to happen to them hundreds of years before it happened. He says, listen, you're going to be in bondage. You're going to have another country is going to be over you, and you're going to be slaves for 430 years. Now, I am not even going to pretend to try to understand exactly what that means and, and why, why God does what he does. I don't know. The Bible says his ways are not my ways. There's a certain sense we just have to trust him. But here's the thing. As we move into this new covenant area that we are in right now because of the blood and, and, and the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're in a new covenant, so there's a sense that we, we can have greater revelation and greater understanding of things that they didn't understand in the Old Testament, right? And so that's one of the things I'm praying. God, give me greater revelation of your holiness and your friendship. Give me greater revelation of, you know, what's going on with these difficult situations and these trials, and what are you doing through this, and how are you going to come through? The first thing is that he sees. He knows. Okay, he sees our affliction. Then it says, he says that he has heard their cries. So he sees and he hears. And it's interesting. I would just encourage you with this. If you're in a difficult situation, if you're in a trial, something is not adding up. It's not making sense. I want to encourage you to start crying out. And I don't mean little prayers here and there. I mean crying out. I have an eight-foot-long bullwhip. I, I should have brought it today. Eight-foot-long bullwhip that I, had, that I got from, I think, Venezuela. I think it was Venezuela. Could have been another foreign country. I don't know. But I have this huge eight-foot bullwhip. And if I smack that thing, 
yeehaw, rawhide, right? I mean, it's, this thing can really snap. But here's the thing. A couple times that I waved that thing around and snapped it, I've actually hit people with it <laughs> by accident. And can I tell you, that is not their best day. You know, I do a little, and I hit them, ah! And that doesn't feel good, does it? So let me ask you something. If today I had my eight-foot-long bullwhip and I went, and I hit you with it, would you go, hey, would you please stop that? <laughs> or would you be like, yeah! <laughs> and then if I did it again, and again, and again, would you cry out? <laughs> See, I have a feeling that sometimes the difficulty of the, di- of the situation actually dictates the level of my crying out to God. As a pastor, I've been opportunity. I don't know what else you call it. I guess there's more negative words to call this. But as a pastor, I've had times where I've had to go to hospitals with people that have had car wrecks or different medical things that have happened quickly and those kind of things. And I'll be sitting in the hospital with these people, and they're not praying little prayers. You know? They're crying out to God. God, please save you know, George, please save, you know, my mom, whatever. And sometimes it's for salvation and sometimes it's for their healing. They're crying out to God out of desperation, right? And I wonder at times, now God's not playing games with us, but I will say this, sometimes the difficult season and the situations that we're in actually raises our level of crying out. I have a sneaky suspicion that the slavery and the bondage got worse and worse and worse. I mean, they started out with being blessed, Joseph's family and descendants and the salvation and all that stuff, to now slavery, 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 bondage, bondage, whipping, whipping. And it actually calls them, in one of the versions of the Bible, in the Amplified, it talks about that the Egyptians treated them viciously. And one of the definitions is vile. I'm telling you this, they weren't mistakenly hitting them with an eight-foot bullwhip. They were intentionally laying leather on these people. They were intentionally treating them viciously and, and vilely. So they began to cry out, and God says this, I have seen what the Egyptians are doing to you, and I have heard your cries. Can I give you something this morning? There are so many times in life you can't control the bad things around you. Right? Maybe you're on a job. Maybe you're working, and your boss is treating you horribly. And, you know, I've been in those situations. I'm doing everything right. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to be submitted. I'm trying to work hard. But no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Anybody ever been there? No matter what you do, it's not good enough. And it just gets worse and worse, and they're treating you bad. And I've, and I've had times like that where God says to me, listen, you can't control them, but you can control you. And I believe that the Hebrews were in that kind of place. They couldn't control the Egyptian taskmasters, but they could control their crying out. Nobody could take that away from them. And they began to cry out to God. They began to say, Lord, we, you've got to, you've got, we've got to see a reprieve. We've got to see deliverance. And I can just imagine them declaring to God, Lord, we are the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and you gave us a promise that we were going to have uh, the land of Canaan was going to be ours, and all those ites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, all these ites, those all representative of the enemy's kingdom. And I, you know, 
I just want to encourage you. The enemy has territory that isn't intended for him. It's intended for us. There are places God has said to us, listen, the promise is this is yours. It doesn't belong to the enemy. That unsaved loved one doesn't belong to the enemy. He belongs in the kingdom. That spouse that isn't serving the Lord and hasn't come to him, that's an ite. <laughs> and I have said, I'm going to take you into the land of the ites. I'm going to take away what belongs to the enemy. I'm going to give it to you. And I believe that as the children of Israel cried out and they cried out and they cried out, God says, listen, I have heard their cries. Oh, I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you are in a difficult place with things going on in your life, and God is saying to you today, cry out to me. The level of the persecution, the level of the difficulty, the level of the trial has been rising, and you've been questioning God. God, why is this happening? And God says, I'm not going to tell you why it's happening, but I do want you to cry out. I do want you to seek me. I want you to come to me with all your heart. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the last one he says, he says, I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them into the land that I have promised them. See, God sees our situation. He hears our cries. And then he says, listen, it's not enough to just have two. I'm going to do all three. I'm actually going to come down with power. Sometimes we get in a situation where we begin to really doubt whether God's going to come through or not. I think this whole service has kind of been laid out a little bit in one way, and that is this. I wasn't really aware of the the line of that song that was going to be highlighted for us, but the Lamb has overcome. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say the Lamb will overcome or the lamb, lamb might overcome, or he possibly might like be a lamb. No, he says, the lamb has overcome. That's the declaration. That's, that's the word of God to us that says, listen, I have conquered the enemy. I have defeated your foes. And in the case here of, of the, chil- the people of, uh, of promise, he says, listen, I have seen where you are. I have heard your cries. And I am going to come through. Why don't you stand with your, to your feet this morning? I know we, uh, we change the, the tables and the chairs and those kind of things, but I believe this morning God wants us to intercede with each other a little bit. And, and we don't have to get uh, overly personal and all those kind of things, but I do want to give opportunity today. If you're going in a situation that you need God to move in power, you need God to come down and deliver in some way, whether it's through a, a loved one that needs to be saved or a physical condition or something or maybe a financial situation or a job situation but you really are in a position of crying out to God and you want to do that today and you have a need that that needs God's immediate and powerful attention I want you just to raise your hand go ahead nice and high keep it up good now here's what I'd like you to do I want with with these hands raised I want some people to come around these hands that are raised and we're going to agree together all right and we're going to make some declarations We're not going to wish that God might come through. We're actually going to declare that he is our Lord and our Savior, our Master, our Healer, our Provider, so many of these things. And I will say this, that there are times where where we pray certain kind of prayers, and there are other times we just need to declare some things, right? 
to declare it as so, that it's not a wish or a desire. It's actually a declaration. So with your hand up raised, I want you to begin to declare God's provision, his healing, his power, his salvation over, over, over these people right now. And you don't even have to know what the deal is. You may know their situation, but I want you to declare. And even prophetically, God's going to begin to give you some words. I don't want you to be shy. Just begin to declare God's goodness right now. So, Lord, with hands up raised, we are those that are crying out to you right now. We are those that are saying, God, what the enemy is doing and the situations of our life are not okay. It's not okay, Lord God, the bondage that we feel. It is not okay, Lord, the situations that we're in. You have given us promises, O God. You said the Lamb has overcome, and we declare his victory over our lives today. We declare the victory of the Lamb over over sickness, O God. The body that was broken, that wasn't meaningless, O God. That had purpose. You purposely said that your broken body would take care of our bodies. And so we declare healing right now. We declare healing right now. Hallelujah. Yes, yeah, declare that today. Declare it today. Hallelujah. And Lord, we also declare right now that you are our Savior. God, that there are those in our lives that you want to save. Father, we declare today that you are our provider. You are Jehovah Nisi, our banner, oh God. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer, oh God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that, that your name is, is victory. Your name is power. We say yes. We say yes. We declare it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, oh God. I just feel like Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I feel like there's, there's, there's areas that need provision today. And finances, oh God. So Lord, I declare tenfold abundance over your people right now. Hallelujah. I declare, God, jobs and better jobs. Lord, I declare that there will be finances and money that will come from unforeseen places. Hallelujah. Lord, I declare your provision over your people, O God. That you said, I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. So, Lord, I speak provision over your people today. Personally, families, in this body, in every way, O God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, help all God's people sit. Amen. Amen. Why don't you hug a couple necks where you are? And uh, that's good. We're going we're gonna to have a meeting of the church uh, right now in about 10 minutes. It's about 10 to 12. Why don't you meet right back here at noon, and we'll meet together for a few minutes and give you some information and answer some questions that you might have. All right? 10 minutes. We'll see you back here. <laughs>